Our objective at the Association of Sporting Directors is to support, develop and connect our members who are spread out across the globe and all bring unique skills and experiences to the role of sporting director. In addition to our in-person events and our online networking sessions, we are really excited to bring you a brand new podcast series covering key topics generated by the membership and central to the future development of the sporting director role. Season one focuses on effective decision-making and is brought to you by Paul Musa, host of the What The Footy podcast series, who spoke to five ASD members, including Mark Cartwright, Zoran Cronetta, Matt Jordan, Greg Broughton and Dan Ashworth. Some fascinating insights from practitioners working at the heart of the professional game. Looking forward to these. Over to you, Paul. How are you doing today, Zoran? Welcome to the ASD podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. It's a great being here. No, brilliant. Our theme for the season for the Association of Sporting Directors is effective decision making. So I want to know what is the toughest and most challenging decision that you've had to make in the role? Oh, it's a very simple, very easy one. The toughest decision was to to fire the coach after five months <laughs> in, a, in your first inaugural season. That's, that's definitely what was the toughest decision by far. Yeah, and, and just even just sort of link to that, just sort of talk me through the the challenges of working obviously with Charlotte FC and expansion team and having to almost build from the ground up and whether that's in terms of your technical team or the player roster or or appointing a manager, for example. It's a complicated and it's a hard and it's potentially harder than I thought it will be. Um it's it's what St. Louis is going right now through, and it's uh, we had to we had to bring some twenty six players within a t- two months, which is very very challenging and difficult. You have to be ready for the preseason. Your coach requires requires all the players to be ready and 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 at the start of the preseason. And the transfer window in a in major league soccer it starts uh, in um, mid of February, I think, and finishing uh, uh, at 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 the beginning of April. Or even May this this year was a little bit longer, so it's uh, it's um it's a long long period for you to to get the players. The problem is nobody really want to trade sell players. Very difficult to get the players. Let's say in February or March or April because every club needs the players. Every club needs the players to play for them, uh, to help them to either uh, win something or to to not get relegated or, or, or for various reasons. So. It's 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 hard it's hard to get the players at that period. It's much easier to get players, let's say in summer, where there are a lot of players on the market uh, by exchanging clubs. So that's one of the biggest tasks. Um, of course, you know, being a new club, uh, you you you're facing a various other issues like you have to build your you have to build your your performance department, your medical department, your scouting department, your analytics department. Everything is built from scratch. While you're building the, the the roster, you're also building all these apartments. So everybody is kind of getting to know each other. Uh, so that's a process in itself. So it takes takes time. Um, so that was that was that was a huge challenge um, that we managed to kind of get over it. And, and at the end of the day, uh, I had a, a fairly successful season, but uh, it was it was hard. Yeah, no, for sure. Because when I was looking on the on the Charlotte FC website, I could see that across sort of sports science and medical and performance, you've got over 40 members of staff. Just sort of talk to me about how you sort of went about identifying uh, the people that you wanted to sort of be, be in the team and the kind of culture fit that you're kind of looking for in terms of building the sporting strategy. 
Yes, yes. You also try to build identity, culture, philosophy, style of play, who you are, because how we see it, we, we didn't build it for a, for a one season. We've been building it for many, many seasons. So basically, it's a it's a, it's a it's a process, and um, and you have to you have to build, uh, and and building it is not uh, is not is not easy because um, you you want to build properly, you want to build the build the building blocks, you you want to build a, the club that is a uh, competitive the year one. Of course, you want to be as competitive as possible, but you realistically know that you cannot fight for trophies in a year one. It's 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 a, it's very very hard. Um, in any league, major league soccer is getting better every year. The better players, the better coaches, the better infrastructure, better tactical knowledge, uh, the better players coming through the ranks. So it's very, it's almost impossible to, to, it's almost impossible to, to, to win everything in first season. So you have to, you know that, but also the fans are demanding the best, the good results. The there is a lot of pressure from from all, all kinds. Uh, the, the media is is uh, questioning you, of course, uh, both local and and, in, and national media. And they're comparing you with other clubs, um, you know. So it's there, there are a lot of things that you need to kind of take into consideration. No, for sure, and and even just building on that whole idea of identifying your your team and building out the team. How how important was your experience as an agent in terms of leveraging those networks? Whether that was in terms of recruiting and signing players, identifying people to bring into into Charlotte. <clears throat> I think being um, an agent and having experience in in. Um, um, in the world, traveling, uh, meeting people, networking, uh, doing deals is a is a is a great uh, great help in building the roster in a short period of time. That's number one. Number two, the 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 most important part that every agent should have is information, and uh, and that helps you uh, finding out the real value of the player. For example, finding out what the, you know would would player wants to come. Finding out what are the the, the good um, players, uh, incoming emerging talents, all, all these kind of things helps. It you can you can call it experience if if nothing else. You know there is a lot of uh, uh, a lot of that. I I have a lot of experience in life as also and as in football in, a, in being an agent. So I think it's very useful for us, for me, for myself. And I think it's uh, it's it's no it's no um, accident that there are quite few agents who are moving to the other side um, and becoming uh, uh, sporting directors uh, in in all sports. In in basketball is very prominent, for example. No, for sure. And 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 just sort of in terms of obviously when you approach for the for the role, um, obviously I know you moved out to, to to the USA in the sort of the end of 2019, and Charlotte was founded around that period. Just sort of talk to me about obviously. Going over there and, and the owner at the time, the owner who's there currently now, obviously David and, and and Joe's the president. Just sort of talk to me about what the vision was and, and and why why you were kind of sold on what they were trying to effectively do. The the hard thing was that we we wanted to start in twenty twenty one and then obviously COVID hit, so I literally we had to postpone, push back for a year. We already had a scouting department. We wanted to bring some players on board to kind of uh, send a message to the fans, to kind of have fans, someone to identify with. So we we brought, I think this is the first time in the history of MLS, some 18 months before we started, we, we brought a few players. Um, one of them is now playing at Middlesbrough in a, in a championship. Uh, and the other one we also sold to Granada, sold back. Um, but they bought they were both good players. So we, we actually um like them and um for various reasons they, they're not um anymore with us. But um it's it's the the, the vision was always there. The, the the problem was obviously pandemic. It was it was difficult to build a identity culture and a vision through the pandemic. So we had to 
kind of a, 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 a be, be smart in, in many ways and try to interact with the fans. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, a, a massive uh, hotbeds of, of soccer uh, uh, in the USA. There, there, there's uh, so many academies that people love love the game here. We had this year, we had a 35,000 average attendance, which is really, really big and uh, and good. We are, I think we are number two after Atlanta, but uh, in the league, but it's also generally really good for the expansion team. I mean, it's a, it's a first year team that is, that is, that is getting all these, all these people kind of. Um, so that's, that's, I think it was, was, was one of the, one of the uh, highlights for, for our season, but you know, the, the, the owner is um, um, also owner of the Carolina Panthers NFL club. He loves the sport. He's um, very uh, passionate about the sport and also he's very, hands-on. I mean, he's uh, part of um, all the major decisions we are making, uh, both myself, uh, Jolly Boo, our president, um, and the rest of the team, the front office and, uh, and the business side of the, of, the, of the organization. The good thing is for us is, for example, we're all sitting together in one office, both business and a technical front office, which is great for interaction, for deciding up quickly, for, for, for making some, some, um, so, you know, some brainstorming to see how we can, how the, the, the soccer side, football side can help the business side, marketing side, commercial side, and vice versa. So that's that's um, that's definitely helpful. No, for sure. And 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 how often are you are you guys meeting to sort of assess the uh, the progress and and sort of monitor the the sort of metrics that you have in place for success? In in general, the meetings with the owner like uh, uh, every four to six weeks, that we discuss the. The, the the progress the the next steps the targets of the uh, if, if there are players uh, acquisition uh, or, or player sales or, or, or all the kind of things that uh, are, are normal in this business but uh, in terms of um, meeting with the rest it's a, it's a often daily basis as I said we sharing the office so you know my door always open and we very often kind of uh, simply find ourselves in a, in in one of the offices chatting um, about uh, what can we do better what can we do next. Uh, uh, I mean, what can we improve? For example, one of the things we, we, we're doing, we're going for a couple of days to the mountain, the, 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 the leaders of the various departments now in December, and, uh, and the plan is an agenda is to kind of um, assess the season, uh, see what we can do better, have some innovative ideas, brainstorming, but also get the team even closer together, get a bit of a bonding going on. And um, so I'm I'm preparing some right now, I'm preparing some, some some fun stuff but also some some tasks for entire team to go through no i like that because that's that's something that we see quite common with sort of big american sort of organizations and companies having those kind of retreats as an opportunity to kind of go out in a different kind of setting and refresh and have have new ideas and um i think a big thing as well for, for charlotte is obviously the ownership of have invested into this new training facility that's going to open opening the new year how, how important is it for you to to be able to have that facility where the academy team the next pro team and the first team are all going to be housed under the same roof i think it's huge i think it's uh it's uh it's something that we that we can call home which is the most important thing we we, we have a home then uh it's it's we all going to be under one roof the academy mls next pro the first team the business side it's a it's a huge big uh, uh, a property in a, in the middle of the park. We already have a, the, the the pitches, but now we're building the pitches for MLS Next Pro and for Academy as well. I think it will be a milestone for for this club, for this young club. It will be a very important to kind of move the club to the next level, to to be on under the same roof, to to be able to interact, to be able to <clears throat> uh, have everybody uh, um, uh, together, and also to 
to be able to call a place a home, that's important. We obviously had a uh, home at the stadium. We built the stadium uh, to, to support us. We had a new facilities there, all built before the season started. But uh, we did not have a, a dedicated a training ground until now. So hopefully now with, with the season starts, we, we, will, we will be moving in. So I think that will be a totally a game changer, in my opinion. No, that's awesome. And speaking about home as well, you share the same the same home ground as as the Panthers as well, who's also owned by by David. Just just sort of talk to me. Have you guys been able to sort of link up with the with the NFL sort of technical team and kind of share ideas and and kind of see what they're doing and trying to bring bring new ideas and strategies over over into what you guys do as well? Yeah, our seasons interlap very very little. Literally, when we uh, finishing rounding up our season, they starting and then they go on a holiday and then there's a very strict rules of the of the of the people and players being present and, and working in MLS uh, and NFL as well. So but yes we we obviously have the same owner we're sharing the same stadium we seeing each other often on a daily basis and certain departments like analytics department um, um IT departments they share some 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 ideas some some um uh, innovations uh some potential synergies that we might have and find yes we, we tried it's not easy because it's obviously different different sports um, uh, and they all have the they're all very busy right now they're in the middle of the day season and they're trying to kind of uh, go for the playoffs themselves they had a win on Thursday night which was uh, great so um, but I think uh, that as we progress I think there'll be more interactions in the future especially on those uh, on those uh, uh, on those levels when it comes to data research innovation and analytics which I think NFL is very strong at no, that's awesome. I'm going to let you grab a quick drink before we go into part two, because I'm conscious of the fact that we've been talking for quite a while now and allow the listeners to hear from one of our ASD partners. Hey, hope you're enjoying the episode. It's Rich from Zone 7, the artificial intelligence company giving practitioners insights by making sense of performance and medical data. For more information, visit zone7.ai. Remember to follow and subscribe to the ASD podcast on Spotify, Apple, or your chosen platform. Now, back to the episode. We're going into sort of part two. One thing that's so fascinating for me about MLS, and I was trying to rack my brain around, is all the different rules and regulations, whether that's designated players, allocation money, the expansion draft, the super draft. Uh, there's so much involved in it. And I saw that obviously you have... You have Bobby there, who he, he was initially the director of player personnel and overseeing the team budget. How, how do you keep up to date with all these ever-changing rules and regulations about protected players, youth academy protected players, and uh, and so forth? Yeah, I mean, this is um, this is a challenge. Uh, it's especially for someone coming up uh, from from Europe because I think that there are so many rules and regulations. They obviously. Uh, trying to um, make them a little bit uh, um, easier, better, and maybe uh, more aligned with Europe, and this is part of our task. Uh, all the all the sporting directors, the GMs coming from Europe, are, are pushing for that, of course. Uh, but I think it's still challenging. Um, for example, yesterday there was an expansion draft, so St. Louis were picking up five players out out of unprotected list. So every club in MLS can only protect twelve players. Everybody else unless they are homegrown players, so the players that you've gone through your academy or someone else academy that you picked up and traded are unprotected. So on average, teams have 10 players plus that are unprotected. So they all go in one big kind of pool of players where St. Louis picks five. And those five can be picked for St. Louis. So it 
it can be traded with, with other teams. It's complicated. It's difficult to build a team and roster because you every at the end of every year, you you know that some of your players will, will be unprotected. So how do you build a roster with with only twelve players protected? So it's it's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. And there are so many other rules. A salary cap is one part of the rules. There is a categorization of the player, so every player has to fit a category. So, so that that also is a is a is a is a very demanding and challenging uh, uh, task. And of course, yeah, we have a bit, you know Bobby Valer here, in, uh, who is our technical director, who is in charge of salary cap and and making sure that we are compliant with the legal requirements. But also in the league, there is a there is a person dedicated to. Uh, several clubs, uh, so each person in the league, there's, a, there's a five or six people in the league, seven, who are, who are covering certain clubs, say, helping them to navigate and go through the rules and regulations in, in a case that um, um, they don't know or, 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 or just kind of be compliant. Now, that's, that's really interesting because obviously, like, one of the, the most important parts of being a sporting director is looking at that medium to, to sort of long-term strategy. But how can you almost look at the long-term to medium strategy when you have the challenge of knowing that you only have 12 players come, come the end it's of the a, season? It's really hard. It's really hard. And and and, and the, so kind of, uh, I, I, I tell you something, every club in a league almost potentially wants one player to be picked from them because then you are protected next time the new expansion clubs comes. So we picked up from five clubs last season where we came, uh, and then those clubs were protected this year. So they can build, they can build without fear of, of, um, of uh, um, you know, losing the players. But now for the next season, we also have to go through the process of, right, of if we have a really, really uh, 16 good players, then we, we might have to either trade them, sell them, or risk risk losing them. Wow. And um, and just even sort of in terms of that as well, how does that sort of fit in as well into the into the MLS next and obviously your academy as well in terms of protecting those players as they sort of progress through the age groups? So the, the, the thing is, if you if you have academy players going through the MLS and then for the first team, they are automatically protected. So this is for a club, certain clubs like a Philadelphia Union that has a very powerful, strong academy. And um, the model the model is built built on promoting the youth and the young players. Also Dallas, they they don't have that problem because at the end of the day, they don't really have a, many players to protect, hardly any, because most of their players are academy players. And then outside of this academy players, there are 12 players who are uh, foreign or, or, or all the domestic, but they don't need to worry because they usually have you know plenty plenty of those players uh, are fit in this twelve, so that they they don't need to you know have they don't have issue with that. Some other clubs, bigger clubs that are you know bringing a lot of foreign players, they they struggle because they always kind of um, not protect some some players. In my case, in our case, we didn't protect a couple of players tactically. We we thought maybe we had, a, for example, we had injured player with ACL, so we deliberately didn't protect him. Thinking it's very very unusual for anybody to to pick the player that will be back in June or, or May uh, playing. So why would someone do it? But then it will allow us to kind of protect someone else and not protect that player who is very valuable valuable for the team, but is injured. So it's it, all kind of uh, strategy comes into play when when, when you when you preparing for expansion draft, for example. And also now, very soon is a is a super draft. So you're picking a college players. Um, the obviously St. Louis again as a number uh, as a new club is picking first in a three rounds. Um, and I found that college 
college drafts have some value. We picked up Ben Bender, who done really well for us. He's, he's one of the best young players in the league now. Uh, scored three goals, five assists first season, inaugural season, which I think is very, very good for a young player coming from the college. Um, so I think it's uh, the, 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 the college draft also has certain values. I mean, some, some people are... Um, um, not valuing it as 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 much. Like uh, again, Philadelphia, for example, of this world, they they don't pick. They sell all day all day picks straight away. They're not interested in a in a in a college draft. But I think there is a there is, there is a really good players that you can pick. Young, talented American players who are hard workers, um, great professionals, and they can be great part of the team. Yeah, no, that's 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 super useful. And and do you almost feel it's only a matter of time before we see. The, the the MLS sort of following the 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 European model now that we're seeing a lot of whether that's MLS players uh, being traded into into Europe or European players particularly players from the Bundesliga coming over to the MLS do you think we're going to almost see see them almost leveled out? Yeah, I think maybe not leveled out. I I think there's certain things that, that I believe are good and it should stay like salary caps should stay in some form. Maybe we will change categorization. Also, there is a thing called discovery list where you basically, if you want to acquire the player from abroad, you have to put him first on discovery list. If you are number one on discovery list, if that player is number one, if you are number one on discovery list, uh, then you can go and talk to the player and agent. If you're not, if you're number two or three, then you have to go through the uh, discovery list uh, process resolution, so-called, where you're basically trying to move the other teams and pay the money to move to allow you to talk to the player. It's complicated. It's a little bit archaic. Uh, it's something that was uh, uh, um, set up a long time ago. And I think the league is is uh, actively looking to maybe improve and change some of these rules. But I think there are a lot of rules that should stay. That the, the trading is one of the things that is a traditional American sport uh, characteristic to trade the players. So I think that will all, always stay in USA, in Major League Soccer. Also another one, Salary Cup, I, I, I think it's good. So it allows club to kind of budget properly and allows kind of a level uh, playing field, if you like. Not fully level playing field because there are clubs who are spending on DP players 15 million and clubs who are spending on 1 million. But again, we've we done a lot of research ourselves and, and um, there is no direct correlation between a spend and the trophies and, and winning. Simply, there is not. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, the, 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 there are certain clubs who spend a huge amount of money and bring a, a, a very highly paid players from Europe, but generally they they're not uh, dominating the league. Uh, I'm not saying that they can't win the league; they probably can, uh, but they will not dominate the league in a in a in a period of time. But there are certain clubs who are dominating in the league, and every year, every year after year, they they are there. They are in the playoffs. They are competing for the titles, but they're not overspending. So I think. Um, Certain uh, there will be changes. There will be uh, uh, alignment to the European uh, rules, of course. But I think certain uh, you know, traditional American um, rules will stay, and I think they they probably good for the sport in general. And what does what does success look like to you? Like in terms of obviously the complexities of the rules that you mentioned. Obviously, you're you're into your inaugural season and going into the second season uh, soon. What does success look like to you? Success. For us, is basically to build a club to be a competitive powerhouse of this league for many years to come. That's a success. Success is uh, uh, obviously we want to win. We want to be a regular playoffs contender. We want to try to win trophies. There'll be a US Open Cup next year. There'll be a, a, a Supporter Shields, who is the best club in Eastern Conference in our case. 
uh, uh, and uh, overall the best in the league. And also there will be a, a league cup that we're playing together with the uh, Liga Max clubs. Those are the league for the people who don't know. The league is stopping both uh, Major League Soccer and uh, Liga Max are stopping in in a uh, uh, from from twenty uh, first of July to nineteenth of August. And we're playing a World Cup type of tournament with the Liga Max clubs. And of course there is a there is a there is a MLS Cup. So there will be a lot of tournaments, a lot more games. So there'll be more challenging for the rosters, for the squads. So we are looking at that. We 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 trying to build up the roster that will be able to play three three different tournaments um, throughout the league. And of of course there are challenges in terms of uh, traveling in in USA, well known and well uh, uh, um, documented. You have to travel by the plane for every game. Uh, with traveling charters now, which is fantastic, so you, you, we we don't need to travel commercial planes anymore, which is which is which helps a lot. I mean, uh, but uh, still traveling is still one and a half, two hours tra- uh, flight plus going to the airport, um, coming from the airport. So very often, four, five, six hours traveling. We often go to the uh, different attitudes, um, different time zones. So it. All that plays a massive part in in preparing for the game, preparing team for the game. And now we're playing an extra tournament uh, in the middle of the of the of the summer with probably big heat <laughs> in a, in the United States is not going to be easy. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because that that league cup that's going to be coming in. Do you feel like that'll be an, an exciting opportunity for 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 sort of more spotlight to go on some of the talent that's in this in other parts of sort of Central America, North America as well. I think that's the that's the idea behind it, the commercialization of the both major league soccer and uh, Liga Max across the the Latin America, but also across the Europe and the world. Uh, I think uh, the the first time Seattle Sanders won the Champions League, first time in the history in major league soccer team won the Champions League, uh, defeated the the Mexican team in the final, which was a major major milestone for the major league soccer. And and, and more and more you see the major league teams winning, beating defeating uh, uh, Mexican teams before the Mexico, Mexico League and Liga Max and Mexican teams were kind of uh, the biggest challenge and the, the ultimate kind of uh, uh, a benchmark for the for the for the um, major league soccer teams now that changing so uh, this this competition will potentially show the how much the the, the major league soccer improved and developed in in the past five six years in in um, uh, in general, and and will be a, a great great way of of, uh, of testing the teams and the league. How far this league can go? No, for sure. And, and just lastly, on, on recruitment, I know I think you you built the the initial roster for about thirty million. Is that correct? Uh, our initial roster, the the transfer fees uh, and total transfer fees that we build the roster uh, are less, but. Total total is probably closer to twenty million when you when you come um, with the transfer fees and a salary and uh, all the trading money that given and discretionary money by the owner. There are various levels of money that you can use. So the the we are we are a little bit above twenty million in in total, which which puts us up on a lower level within the league. But we done this deliberately because we didn't want to overspend um, at the beginning because we did not know uh, potentially. What we really need. Once you build a squad, then you need to assess the squad throughout the season to see what you need to improve. So we brought three players in the summer that improved the squad, and now we want to bring another three, four, five players to improve squad even more. And then, so this is where you, your money will be better spent. And when you're spending money initially, without knowing how that squad, uh, how this 
players would interact and play together. So now we have a way better idea of who we have, uh, who is performing well, who is underperforming, who is overperforming. So we can now twist uh, uh, and tweak uh, uh, the squad and, and add um, uh, the quality necessary to kind of be even more competitive winning more games. I think we we won 13 games, which makes us, uh, I think, third or fourth best club in the history of the league, uh, expansion club. Um, so I think we show some glimpses of uh, what this team can do. We defeated the <clears throat> Eastern Conference winner, Philadelphia, 4 0 at home. We beat the first club in history of MLS, I believe, to beat the reigning, reigning champions both home and away. So there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of, uh, uh, benchmarks that we achieved that we should be proud but of course there is always room for improvement and this is this is the second year is exactly that we're trying to improve on a, on both a, a field and on field and this is why this retreat will be a, a, a starting point and obviously the the transfer window and uh, and and adding some players that will help us uh, be more competitive no for sure the last question that we always ask all of our guests is if you could go back to december 2019 when you started at Charlotte FC, what advice would you would you tell yourself? Uh, I would say to everybody starting now the club that need to be researching the league a little bit more and being aware of the of the strength of the league because this league is a uh, is 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 growing uh, with incredible pace. So every season is better. So it's not like um, one of the leagues where you can watch the the game two years ago and says, "Oh, I know the league." No, because since the two years. This league improved a lot, and also there are really good um, um, MLS players, not only American, but generally players who are already playing in the league. So uh, one of the things is is you try to build backbone of your new team uh, with uh, uh, enough number of those players because they know the league, they know the stadiums, they know the atmosphere, they know altitude, they they understand the travel, they understand all these uh, challenges way better than the foreign players coming from abroad. No, that's super useful. Zoran, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck, obviously, with the retreat and how things are progressing at Charlotte. It's good to hear from you. And no, thank you for your time. Perfect. Thank you. It's Andy from Zone 7. In the time it takes to read out this ad, our proprietary AI could have analysed your training and game data, informed you which of your players were at increased risk of injury, and suggested how your staff could reduce that risk by simulating optimal workload strategies for the week ahead. If you want to find out more about how it does this, visit zone7.ai and click Request a Demo to start up a conversation. Now, back to the episode.